0: everybody, welcome to the Cubs Weekly Podcast, presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly, and as a reminder, we're available on all, all podcast platforms, so be sure to rate and subscribe. Andy Martinez here, I'm joined by Megan Montemuro, Montemuro excuse me, Megan, of the uh, Chicago Tribune. Megan, thank you so much for joining, and I'm sorry I botched your name, that's that's pretty pretty bad luck off the top. I'll forgive you this time. Thank you, thank you. So, the Cubs are going through a, a pretty rough stretch, as as everyone's aware. They since they took two out of three against the Padres, they've gone five and thirteen. We're recording this Wednesday before the Cubs finale against the Astros in Houston. We're both here in Houston, Megan. I guess I want to get started with just like in the that eighteen game stretch. Like, what have you seen? What's been your takeaway? What's what's kind of been going wrong since since that two of three uh, series against the Padres?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is that they're just not in sync. The offense has been in this prolonged slump going on about three weeks at this point. You know, the, the rotation has been pretty solid, but we knew at some point, you know, there were going to be some clunkers in there and for the Cubs it's, it's happened in, you know, a row here. Um, And so really, I think you just have a team out of whack and they, they really haven't been able to, pull out those ugly games and win them. Um, and so between, you know, the blowouts in Minnesota um, you know, some, the lack of timely hits again, the inconsistencies um, the bullpen hasn't been, you know, what they've needed it to be uh, especially in the high leverage spots. So it's kind of everything that can go wrong right now is going wrong for them.
0: Well, and, and I think to me, watching that first game in Houston with James and Tile, right where it's it's, he gets gets a little a blooper in the first inning that that drops in right in front of Cody Ballinger. and then there's a big hit that comes. and And you're right, like everything that's that can go wrong, seemingly is going wrong for the Cubs. And then Michael Fulmer there was a pretty bad pitch against uh, against Marusio Dubon, who hits it the other way for a single. And then the, the next batter, Alex Bregman, hits a home run that you know is a ball, is a home run in like six ballparks, and and Minute Maid's one of them. It's it's a weird stretch, but I wanted to talk more about the offense. Like like you you kind of touched on it earlier, it, it we knew that they weren't going to be the number one offense in the National League like they were in April to, to start the year. Like you just knew that wasn't sustainable because that's not necessarily how they were built or planned to be built. So, what what's been for the offense? Like what's been going wrong? Is it just strictly for you to? clutch hitting if you want to call it that the runners in scoring position or is it is there more to it in in in, with the offensive struggles
1: yeah I mean I think it's partly the clutch hitting that they're not coming through you know with runners in scoring position consistently enough and then you look at how they've been scoring a lot of runs like a lot of it has been home run based which is not what this team is built around they're not going to win many games if if the majority of their runs are coming on homers um so I think it's it's you know, they're not stringing hits together like they were the first couple weeks. And, you know, you expect certain guys in the lineup to, to maybe be in a little bit of a slump at various points of the year. But just as how like the entire lineup was almost hitting at the beginning of the season, now you have almost nobody in the lineup hitting. And so that just puts so much stress on those moments that they do have run scoring opportunities um, you know, I think it's encouraging that say Suzuki has looked better um, over the last few days, getting him locked in and, and driving in runs will really take some pressure off, um, you know, the top three guys. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they get back on track because they don't really they don't have now a Christopher Morrell that you can call up and and feel like you can get some offensive punch from them. Um, there, there are really no obvious options for them to kind of get back on track. Like the roster they have is what they have right now. Um, And until, or unless they make some changes to bench roles, like, you know, we pretty much know who's going to be out there on a pretty consistent basis. So, you know, they have to stick with, you know, doing what they've been doing approach wise. I don't think they've had necessarily terrible approaches. I mean, Ian Happ is still walking at a career high clip, um, you know, Nico Horner, when he comes back, he's not necessarily going to be walking a time, but he's a guy that generally can find a way to get on base. Um, Bellinger's slumping a little bit. So, you know, I, I think they have to maintain the right approach and stay confident in it and believe that eventually that's going to get them back on track. But it's certainly bleak right now.
0: Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more. You mentioned, say, Suzuki. Early on, when he came back, and I think I I was a, a victim of falling into the trap where it's like oh something's wrong with him because he's not hitting, he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and then you kind of remember like this guy didn't have a spring training. Like these are kind of the at bats he would be getting in, in February and March. What have you seen of him specifically these last like couple weeks? We saw Tuesday night he hits a home run uh, against Houston. Uh, what have you seen? What's been the what's been different in how he? like what is he doing differently that that's allowing him to have a little bit more success here recently?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one, one thing is obviously timing. Like he just looks more well-timed up at the plate where he's not either late on everything or you know, second guessing himself. Um, and then, you know, getting the ball off the ground more, um, you know, you want to see him hit more line drives. Eventually some of those will turn into home runs like we saw yesterday. Um, So I think it's a combination of that. I mean, he's obviously very much of a feel hitter. You know, he does a lot of cage work um, to try and get to the point where he's feeling good with his timing. Um, And, you know, I mean, he's still learning the league, too. I mean, this is year two. You know, he's still getting to know um, some of these pitchers, how they attack him, their different stuff. Um, You know, because, again, he didn't have spring training this year. He missed some time last year um and so you know he I think I think there is a real part of that where he's still learning the league a little bit um but I do think like again he's training the right way you want to see some more of those fly balls you know they really need him to you know be a run producer um and it'll be it'll be interesting to see too as, as this timing and you know he feels like his swing is where he wants it to be you know will he try and be a little bit more aggressive early in the counts because you don't really see him take much first pitch swings or um, be really aggressive early in at bats so it'll be interesting to see if if that changes at all or if he he really sticks to you know seeing a lot of pitches before he you know he really goes after something yeah
0: and, and it kind of goes back to what we originally talked about right where like the the, the clutch hitting the the runners in the scoring position situation if you have someone like say who, who starts finding it and david ross mentioned it on i believe it was tuesday might have been monday where he there's sometimes where he's hitting the ball on the ground with bases loaded and that, that's not a good situation, right, because that's immediately two outs or, or one out if it's a two-out situation. Like, that's that's not what you want from him. And, and if he's able to kind of keep the ball off the ground like he has been doing lately, that, that's a good sign of success. But for for the Cubs, so far in May, they have 120 runners left on base in, in May, which is kind of a crazy number to think about. But also, if you watch the team enough, it's, it's not – entirely surprising the the way the offense has been performing like is that randomness is that flukiness is that maybe a sign of who they are like what 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 does that kind of tell you or or is that maybe reading too much into it what 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 do you make of that that number
1: I mean I think ultimately it's just showing that they're not coming through when you know they have scoring opportunities I mean you know a lot of guys have been saying and you know even Ross has noted this too that, you know, it's a good sign that they're getting guys on, you know, it's not like they're losing these games, and they're hitting some singles, and there's really never any opportunities to get on the board. So I I can buy that optimism. But, you know, I do think, you know, for how prolonged it's this trend is at this point that I think it becomes concerning, you know, our guys trying to press too much up at the plate are they trying to do too much in those moments knowing like hey we really need this run because we haven't been good in these spots like we can't afford to get nothing out of it um and for the most part you know no one's really talked about them pressing but i would it wouldn't surprise me if that's been the case in some of these situations um and yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, you know, the manager, the coaching staff could put guys in the best possible positions. But at some point, it's on the players to produce in those moments. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what can finally get them out of this, this stretch, you know, I think, you know, they they need a couple games where they just wallop on the opposing pitching and, and get some of that collective confidence back. Um, I do think it helps having the better veteran leadership that they have in that clubhouse you know talking to Trey Mancini the other day like they they know they could be good and they also you know a lot of these guys have been on teams that have been in the postseason and won a world series like these kind of things happen over the course of the season even for good teams good teams go through tough stretches too it's just how quickly can you get out of those stretches and right now you're fear of the cubs you're you're entering that danger zone because they're in this tough stretch of a schedule where you're you're really not going to have many opportunities here where you can you know point to a pitching staff and be like okay like we have an opportunity to to get on track against a a lesser group um so you know they're going to have to find a way to do it against some good pitching
0: and it's interesting you mentioned that because to me i thought the that that turn if you want to call it that whatever you want to the the, the mountain coming down on the mountain like whatever uh, phrase you want to use whatever analogy you want to use like I thought that was coming after they beat the Cardinals in the finale like I, I thought that was a series that they could have gone really the completely other way where they could have won all three or at least taken two out of three and then they go out and beat Minnesota against Sonny Gray who's as we mentioned, like that's not a that's not a that's not a slouch of a starting pitcher by any means, but then they had those those two clunkers uh, as, as David Ross of you as uh, as everyone has used that phrase, which I love, but uh, as everyone has used to to kind of describe what happened. It's it's a it's a daunting stretch, but the pitching which was was just as good too hasn't been as good as it has been, and we saw that especially in Minnesota, where Marcus Stroman, who was the Cubs probably the second best pitcher behind Justin Seale, only goes two and two thirds. Hayden Wozneski goes five innings uh, the Saturday against against Minnesota, and then Jamison Tyone has a, a four and two third outing. Uh, it's it's a tough stretch for even Justin Steele in the last his last outing against the Astros only six innings, and I say that only with the caveat of like he's he's been really really good. What what have you made of the starting pitching in May? Because some of these numbers kind of suggest that there's there's there could be some deeper issues with with the starting pitching this month. Twenty second in in ERA with a four point eight zero. 26 and strikeouts 102 and their, their starting pitcher ER is, is uh, 5.0. So like what, what, what's, what do you make of the starting pitching so far this month in May?
1: Yeah. I mean, in the case of Tyone, you know, he's coming back from off, off the IL, he never really got in a rhythm or even, I would say even fully built up coming out of spring. Um, And he never, he didn't go on a rehab assignment after coming off the 15 day IL. So, you know, he was on a pitch count the first two games for sure. Um, and because he had only maxed out basically at 65 pitches coming into his start against Houston, like they still can only push him so far. I mean, and and you look at his outing against the Astros, I mean, he definitely was done in by some bad luck. Um, And that's just kind of the type of pitcher he is. He's going to give up some, some soft contact. The key for him is really limiting the walks, which burned him against the nationals. Um, So, I mean, this guy's a veteran. He knows how to be successful um, in the majors. I'm, I'm not that worried about what he's shown so far. I mean, I do think they need him to this next time out to, you know, be the guy that they signed to a four-year deal, um, you know, because it, it will continue to put stress on the bullpen. If that's all they're getting out of him every start, you have Kyle Hendricks coming back at some point soon that, who knows what they'll be getting necessarily out of him. Um, so, I mean, I really think Tyone's the key piece to all this um, and and kind of that rotation, getting back on track. Again, you know, that start by Strowman was super uncharacteristic. I mean, he hadn't had that short of an outing since 2018 when it wasn't weather or injury related. So he really doesn't have starts like that. And, um, and then even Steele yesterday, I mean – Ross went out of his way to definitely make sure, like you know, that he wouldn't group Steele's start with the Strowman, Wasnaski, Tyone, you know, grouping. Right. Um, mentioning that you know he had been battling flu-like symptoms, you know, recently. So I think I think for Steele's outing, it was more like just how quickly <laughs> it came apart in the fourth inning yep. with the the four doubles. But I mean, the way he was able to to dial it back in and give them six was really important coming into today and then the off day Thursday. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Jed Hoyer said this, I think within the last week or so, like this, you know, in regards to the bullpen, like you, you can't live with like one run scoring dooming you. Um, right. That's just too much pressure on your pitching staff. Like it, it all comes back really to the offense, like going into the ninth inning last night, even though it ended up being a seven to three game, they only had three hits going into the ninth inning. And one of them was Matt Mervis's homer. So like, it really doesn't matter what the pitching staff does, if that's the kind of offensive production you're getting. So I think the rotation will be okay. I mean, it's, it was expected to be a strength coming in. Um, They've shown that they can carry the, the load and, and, you know, really give the opportunity for, for the offense to get on track, but certainly, yeah, this is, definitely a tough stretch and it'll be interesting to to see if they're able to turn it around on the rest of the road trip
0: yeah I want to talk about you you touched on it a little bit with the bullpen and, and not not even just like hey like one run might be might be the the end of a game for for a bullpen which like, like as you mentioned as jed Hoyer mentioned it's it's a lot of pressure on on the bullpen as a whole but just the usage that they've had to do and and how they've had to cover innings. I mean I thought it was remarkable that and, and kind of a sign of where they're at that Michael Fulmer, Brandon Hughes were two guys that pitched not back to backs, but back to back to back. And and that's that's asking a lot of uh, out of your bullpen. I don't care how good they are. I don't care how what what they've gone through. Like that's that's taxing on the bullpen. Like how tough, like how the the, the I guess the the carry on effect of having those short outings and the taxing nature that that does to the bullpen and and the ripple effect that that has overall on, on a pitching staff.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think one of the big things for this bullpen is unlike the previous two years, you know, when David Ross had a David Robertson, a Craig Kimbrell, like he knew at least until both those guys got traded the trade deadline, like in the first half, like, okay, those are my ninth inning highest leverage guys. I can work back from there he doesn't really have that right now. And even coming into the year, it wasn't as clear as the last two years of like, who's going to be that guy. Uh, and I was
0: going to say really quickly too, like to just to jump in, but they, he also had like an eighth inning guy and a seventh inning guy, like Brian Teper and Andrew Chafin in 21 and then Michael Gibbons and, and Chris Martin in 2022, like he, he doesn't have a ninth inning guy, let alone a seventh or eighth inning guy.
1: Right. And so like, it's been a real challenge for him to figure out like, okay, how am I lining these guys up? And, you know, he admitted a couple of days ago, like he's still working through like, okay, who's the best guy in these situations. And without having those answers yet, you're really relying on matchup based decisions. And again, like, you know, that leaves a lot of room for error when you don't necessarily know what version you're getting in each situation. And, you know, obviously Brad Boxberger never really looked right whatsoever. Um, you know, Ross was talking about how he had a groin injury issue that he was working through, and then that led to like mechanical issues. And then once those got worked out, you know, through all that, then his arm you know, was hurting. And so, you know, that's not a great sign. And Michael Fulmer, you know, again, this isn't a guy that has a huge track record and being a, a strong reliever. Um, and he hasn't really found his footing yet. I I, I don't think that outing against Houston was terrible. Like you noted, like it was a fluky hit and then a home run to the Crawford boxes that looked like a pop-up. Um, so, you know, otherwise he had been pretty good over a two week stretch after the Dodgers series. But beyond that, like, you know, Brandon Hughes has been on the IL twice. What can you get out of him? Adbert, you know, has looked good, but you know, it sounds like he was, uh, uh, battling the same illness over the weekend um, and, you know, only went one in the other night. Keegan Thompson hasn't looked like the shutdown guy that they had last year or in previous relief situations coming into the year. Um, you know, uh, Mark Leiter Jr., he's only pitched once in like the last eight days. So, you know, he might not be right. So there's just not a lot of great options yeah. for David Ross at the moment. And, like, I understand the heat that he's gotten for, for some of those decisions. But also, like, there's nobody that I would say that's in the bullpen that has truly been lights lights out, shut down. You know, I, I would buy it if you want to make the case for Advert to get more chances or Jeremiah Estrada. But, like... It's it's slim pickings right now for guys that are really locked in, in the bullpen, and and that's just gonna make it tough in general to to make those decisions.
0: Yeah, and, and with Jeremiah Charles, it's, it's I mean we've seen it in the past with with David Ross and and the other managers where like they, they kind of have to pitch themselves into those rows. Like you don't want to call up a guy from AAA and say, "Hey, ninth innings here, is you. it's a one run lead." Like the buck. Like, it's just not a good situation for for anyone. But there there was the Cubs made a few roster moves to kind of remedy some of these issues with the bull, with the starting pitching. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Hayden Wisniewski and, and many more and much more We're here with with Megan Montemaro of the Chicago Tribune.
1: You've got the jersey, the ball cap, the foam finger. Everyone can see you are a Chicago Cubs fan from a mile away. Ready to take your look to the next level? Upgrade your wallet with an exclusive Cubs debit card, which you can get when you open a WinTrust Cubs checking account with no monthly fees, free ATMs nationwide and a $300 bonus. When you open your account, start showing your Cubs pride with every purchase. Sign up at WinTrust.com slash Cubs. Only $100 required to open no monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender.
0: Welcome back to the Cubs weekly podcast. We're talking pitching. We're talking Cubs struggles of, as of late with my, Megan Montemuro, the Chicago Tribune. Megan, uh, so we we talked we touched on the, the short outings of the pitching staff the the, the injuries to Brad Boxberger the, the need to to kind of give inject some life into the bullpen one of those movements selecting a contract of Nick Virity recalling Jeremiah Strada but also optioning Hayden Woznieski who he he's a great story in spring training right like he was the the fifth starter role but it seemed like maybe Adrian Samson had to lag off at the start of spring and and then Hayden Woznieski really took the competition and ran with it never really. Pitched to his fullest potential, or to what he did in in late of twenty twenty two, why the option of Hayden Wesneski, What what did you make of it? And and is it do you read too much into it? Like is is it easy to to maybe do that?
1: I mean, I think two things stood out. First, that you know, obviously, that means Kyle Hendricks is certainly imminently returning. Um, David Ross confirmed yesterday that um, he will make. His next start with AAA Iowa, but I would fully expect that, you know, that ends up being his last rehab start and then he starts on the homestand. Um, but yeah, and then the other thing with Hayden, I mean, just the command control issues, you know, there were too many starts where he was throwing too many uncompetitive pitches out of hand. Um, you know, he wasn't getting the movement with with some of his stuff. I mean, fastball command is so important in the majors. Um, there are just too many mistakes that, that were catching too much of the zone. Um, and, and I mean, he did have a, a good stretch before, you know, his his tough outing in Minnesota, where he had like a two to three start stretch where, you know, he look, was looking pretty good. But just the consistency hasn't been there. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, barring an injury, we, we I think it was safe to assume unless he, unless he was the spring training version, which. Would have been hard to, I think, replicate. Um, You know, he was he was probably going to be the odd man out when Hendricks was ready to come back, and you know, obviously performance dictates some dictates some of that too. And ultimately, you know, I think those two things lined up. And you know, talking to Tommy Haddaby, you know, I think one point that he made that was really interesting was, you know, when everyone got to see Hayden in September and what he was able to do, you know, he already had months of work in the minors and we didn't see any potential tweaks or adjustments or things that he might've gone through to get to the point that he was in September. And so this, you know, this doesn't mean he's not going to be back up at some point or that he's not going to contribute to the pitching staff in some way at some point this the season. But right now for him and what the Cubs need, it's for him to get right, to get back on track and and find some of that consistency again.
0: Yeah. And and the, the thing about it too, is like there are, Jed Hoyer, David Ross, they've all talked about this is as tough as it is. They're 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 off on Thursday, then they're off again on Monday. So you can kind of go with that four-man, not kind of, you can go with that four-man rotation, excuse me, and have the natural five-day plan for guys and go with it for at least until the homestand against the Reds where everyone's still kind of on normal rest without really having to carry that fifth man. And that allows you to to, to carry guys like Estrada or, or Birdie. But I want to talk a little bit more about Nick Birdie. I mean, he's, First of all, he was, he was pitching well. In, and I, I don't want to take that away from him, but it's also a really good story. And, and I know you wrote a story about him in, in spring training and just the, the journey he's been on is, is kind of remarkable. Like from a purely human, human side, like not even like, not even getting to the baseball side, like just from a human side for him to get back to the majors is, is pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah. I mean, before, you know, this season, he hadn't pitched in a game major league or minor league since 2020 um, you know, he had a second Tommy John surgery that sidelined him. And then when he was coming back, they had to do some cleanup on it and that cost him another season, um, you know, and then they took him in the rule five minor league phase in the second round of it. Um, so, I mean, definitely a kudos to the Cubs uh, scouting staff for, I, you know, identifying him as a guy that could potentially help them this year. Um, you know, it, it was, it, I think you you always have to feel for guys who ha- who go through that and you know he yeah. talked a lot about how how great, you know, and supportive his his wife has been through it because you know, you know when you have kids like that that there's extra burden there. Um but he really wanted to make sure that he never had any regrets and that he really gave it, you know, a a solid attempt to come back and you know, so I think it is cool to see that that payoff I mean and and for the Cubs like you know there's certainly upside with him I mean that fastball can can hit triple digits um it's always for for Nick Birdie come come down to can he command his stuff you know he has to limit the walks um you have to be able to to miss some barrels because you know you throw 100 if they hit it you know it's it's gonna come off the bat pretty hard so um but yeah I mean I, I think that moment, there were a lot of people very happy for him, you know, last night getting back into the majors for his first time since 2020. Yeah. Um, And, and now I think it'll be interesting to see like, how does David Ross use him? I I would assume like it will be spots like last night or or lower leverage moments, but um, you know, it's definitely worth the Cubs trying to find out if this guy could be a a major league reliever.
0: Yeah. And like we mentioned, it's a perfect storm and and Jed Hoyer mentioned it uh, this week, like, he was he was on the radar, and and sometimes things like a couple bad outings that force you to dip into your reserves, of uh, bullpen arms, kind of force your hand and, and allow you to bring him up, and then pitch and pitch his way into the into the major league bullpen. I want to talk a little bit more uh, on some of the some of the injuries, Nico Horner's specifically. What's what can we like? Jed Hoyer spoke about him. David Ross spoke about him. Like, I guess, how concerned should Cubs fans be, or? Shouldn't they be uh, after, after what he went through uh, against St. Louis and, and what can, can you expect to see him back?
1: I mean, it sounds like from, from um, David Ross talking yesterday that, you know, everything is on track for Nico to be activated as soon as he can, which would be Friday in Philadelphia, um, which is really encouraging. You know, if you're the Cubs, obviously getting your lead off hitter back um, and a guy that just obviously brings a lot of energy to that lineup. Um, you know, and he obviously had the hamstring issue a couple of years ago that, that kept him out for six weeks, but really from the start, um, even after they put him on the IL, the, there was always optimism that, you know, he was going to just need a, a minimum stint and might not have needed it at all. Um, you know, but with the off day and all that, you know, they just figured better to play it safe and put him on the IL, but yeah, if, if he really is ready to, come off the IL on Friday, which, you know, everyone sounds encouraged that that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, that certainly is going to help the offense.
0: Yeah. And I want to get back to, to the offense a little bit before, before we wrap up, but Christopher Morrell Matt was a couple weeks ago, last week, the last few weeks, fans have been clamoring for them to, to come up to the major leagues. Like when are they coming up? What Like what's the holdup? When are they, when are they going to be at the major league level? And for Christopher Morel, especially like he's, he's, when he makes contact, it, it can go very far and, and be very loud. And, and Matt Murvis, I see his first home run. What have you, what, what are your takeaways from the first few weeks in, and in Matt Murvis's case, the first few weeks in the big leagues? And is that maybe a, a little bit of an encouraging sign for Cubs fans?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think morale, you know, obviously dating back to last season, everyone saw what, he's capable of and you know he certainly has the offensive firepower to you know carry the team uh, in certain games and on the flip side of that it's where do you figure out where to play him and yeah. i think that's going to be an ongoing debate um he got a tough assignment starting in left field on monday and, and struggled to to catch a catchable ball that that led to multiple runs so you know they're going to have to take good with the bad a little bit um and and you know the bad might come on the defensive side in certain situations but his offensive upside I mean you you really can't ignore what he's doing I mean all four of his home runs have gone over have been 400 feet or or longer I mean these aren't cheapies that he's he's been hitting um and yeah so between that and I think it'll be interesting to to see as well you know once Nico's back in the lineup too, like where do they ultimately end up slotting him in the batting order and where do they feel like he can make the biggest impact? Cause you know, it seems like when, when Nico's healthy, like spots one through four, one through five are, are pretty solidified. Um, but do you, do you try and find a spot in there to, to flip him in? Do you add him more to the lower part of the lineup? And then when you have the roster or the lineup turnover, you know, then it's leading back to the top of the order um, so I think that's going to be interesting. And then and when you look at Matt Mervis, I mean, he had some really tough assignments um his first few games, you know, against lefties, against guys that had reverse splits versus lefties. Um, so I mean, they definitely kind of threw him into the fire and you know, he certainly got a challenge. But I think we've seen over the maybe like the last couple of days um of him staying within himself more, um, making better swing decisions. Um, you know, I think especially, you know, Tuesday's game was probably one of his best all around in terms of um, his approach and, and the swings he generated. So, I mean, that's definitely encouraging. Um, there's going to be growing pains, you know, working through uh, his first taste of the major leagues. But I mean, I think obviously the Cubs are going to give him some rope to work through it. Um, and I think Tuesday night was obviously really important in that.
0: All right, Megan, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question. How do, how do the Cubs get out of the slump? Like, what what needs to happen for them to, to kind of buck the trend that they've been going on the last couple weeks or so?
1: I mean, I think it's going to take, like, a series sweep. Because then I, I feel like, okay. you know, I think they need to kind of get past the win win one or two and then lose a couple. Like, I think they really need yeah. to to get some momentum. Maybe, maybe it happens in Philly where, you know, they swept the Phillies last year. They went six and zero in the season series. Um, but I, I think they need some sort of like dominating series performance because they, they are, they've been able to capture it in like singular games. But as we talked about, like the Cardinals and twin series, like they really haven't had much carryover beyond a game or two. Um, so I'd be really curious if they can sweep a series, like can that generate some momentum um you know because again like even when they go home two of the three teams that they face are the Mets and Rays which I know the Mets have been reeling but you know that's there's still some talent on that roster and then they have a three game three city uh road trip to California to to play the Padres Angels and Giants so I mean they're not going to have a ton of opportunities necessarily to to get on a roll so they're going to have to do it against a good team and and maybe that you know, serves as a little boost too. And when it, if it comes against, you know, quality competition.
0: Yeah. We're ready to be seeing what, what kind of happens and how they fare against this. It's a, it's an interesting and tough stretch for the Cubs and make sure to keep, keep tuned into all the games on marqueesportsnetwork.com. Megan, thank you so much for, for joining and give us some insight on the Cubs.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on.
0: That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download it, subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. For Megan, I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in.